Welcome back to yet another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the writers, the directors, the actors, the cinematographers, the costume designers, the composers, the sound mixers, sound editors, film editors, and even book authors. We talk to them all. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. And if you're joining us right now, you're listening to us on AdrenalineRadio.com or you're watching the boring live stream on the AdrenalineRadio.com Facebook page. The only fun thing that you're going to see on the AdrenalineRadio.com Facebook page is my ever-changing tablescape. And today, huge, huge, huge thank you to TCM. And to NPRM, because if you are looking, and I'll actually post some pictures uh, later on today on social media, you will see some beautiful, beautiful gifts that, uh, that TCM gifted to me for the holidays, and it, they can be yours too. You can buy them at the TCM.com website. New stuff. There, of course, and you've seen it here, Dark City uh, on Dark City, The Lost World of Film Noir by the czar of noir himself, Eddie Muller. Um, you've seen, I've had a copy of Dark City for a while, uh, the Eddie autograph that I got from Larry Edmonds bookstore. Also, the new Scott Eamon 20th Century Fox book, which, it, that's mine. But TCM also sent me the new West Side Story, Richard Barrow's book on the making of a classic. And it's a perfect gift for yourself or for others, given uh, Spielberg's upcoming West Side Story movie. Get the book. You can find out all about the making of the classic. Also, they gifted me, and you can get it too at TCM.com, the new TCM logo coffee mug. I still like the old one better, okay? Just saying. Uh, and, of course, one of the latest in their TCM wine collections, I got Elvis. They sent me the Elvis at the movies, Cabernet Sauvignon, 2019 California wine. So, an assortment of stuff. And, of course, let's not forget the good folks at Flickr Alley and their latest um, DVD Blu-ray, which is In the Shadow of Hollywood, Highlights from Ho Poverty Row. We talked about it a little last week, the films of Poverty Row, and they have a nice little collection of them here uh, Midnight, a.k.a. Call It Murder, Backpage, Woman in the Dark, uh, The Crime of Dr. Crespi, which is really cool. Uh, so I've now seen three of the four uh, on the new Flickr Alley compilation. So some great stuff. And as we get closer to the holidays, these are things that are not, shipping is not an issue. They're, uh, these products are not sitting in a cargo container somewhere off the California coast. So these are things that are in stock with TCM. The books you can also get at some of your book, favorite bookstores, Amazon, things like that. Uh, the Flickr Alley DVD, you can get uh, find that on Amazon and uh, other, other media places where you can get your Blu-ray and DVDs. So fun stuff. I'll keep popping stuff out here over the coming weeks. But as far as today, 
Very excited for today's show. Joining us live at the midpoint of the show is writer-director Marshall Cook to talk about his film called Film Fest. It's very funny. It's about a filmmaker, and his whole world revolves around making his first feature film, and he only wants it in Sundance. It doesn't get in Sundance, so he settles for a lesser festival. And it is his sniping, his griping, his lament. He and his crew go to this festival. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to Marshall because so much of this is how quite a few f- filmmakers do behave at a film festival. And a lot of what naturally happens at a film fest, Marshall has brought it to life in this film. So I can't wait to speak with him. He was slated to do our show back in July, but because of his own shooting schedule on another film, he couldn't make it. So he wanted to reschedule. We did, and he'll be here today. But first, a film I love. I love Grave Intentions. Perfect for Halloween week, people. And it's available on digital right now. So you don't have to wait. You don't have to go look for it. It's on all your digi platforms. Grave Intentions. Joining us will be Jocelyn Risch, the writer-director. She's the writer-director of what, what we call a wraparound because this is a horror anthology of five films. Um, one of which, all you classic film fans out there will love this, um, one of which is the final on-screen appearance of Robert Forster. Uh, in one of these shorts. But there are five shorts from around the world. So we get to see a horror, a horror piece from the short from the Philippines. We've got some from Australia. And what Jocelyn has done, along with her co-writer and director, her brother Brian Risch, is crafted this whole idea of Madame Josephine and her magic shop down in the heart of New Orleans, um, where voodoo reigns supreme. And very and it's you're gonna hear Jocelyn talk about this in a minute, about the research that she did into various kinds of magic, such as candles. And if you re- and you have to and stressing intention behind any kind of spells that you're trying to imbue upon each item. Uh and it's a wonderful wraparound. The highlight of it all is Joy Vandervoort Cobb, who plays Madame Josephine. She is incredible. Um, it's worth seeing the horror anthology just to see, just to see Joy's work as Madame Josephine. Uh, but it's wonderful. And she does an intro for each one of these films. The first one, The Bridge Partner, it talks about intentions and uses candles. The second one, The Disappearance of Willie Bingham, uses puppets and voodoo dolls. The third one, called Violent Florence, it's all about crystals and the magic that comes with crystals. The fourth tale, The Son, The Father, is about charms, charm bags, prayer pouches, essentially a spell in a bag. And then the fifth one, called Marion, about a little girl. It's all about the intent is to infuse energy into talismans. It's fascinating, the wraparound portion. And then that's only made even better by these individual short films from some very talented 
and creative filmmakers. So, but Jocelyn isn't just going to talk about Grave Intentions. We start. She's also an author, a book author. And November 2nd, she has a book, come, her new book coming out. I kid you not, Battle of the Butts. It's a nonfiction book. It is, the illustrations are great. And it's all about 10 animals who do weird things with their butts. Um, I've already pre-ordered mine. I can't wait to get it. So, of course, we had to talk about that in addition to Grave Intentions. Kind of a yin and yang to the interview. So, without any further ado, take a listen. Jocelyn Risch talking about Grave Intentions and Grave Intentions and Battle of the Butts. Hi, Jocelyn. It's Debbie. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am so delighted to be talking to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. Well, I have to tell you, first of all, I can't wait for Battle of the Butts. <laughs> it was so much fun to write. <laughs> I, I cannot wait for that. To, I have pre-ordered a copy of that. Um, just because it it just sounds so fun, and even just the cover, the illustration is is wonderful. Oh, my illustrator! I was blessed so much with my illustrator. The inside is hilarious. They're cute, you no, know, because their pictures are cute, and but they're also hilarious. He just interpreted everything, and but he put in all these funny, subtle touches, and it's it's, it's hilarious. I love it. Kids are gonna go nuts for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's all about the butts. And, sure. and the noises and things that butts do. So <laughs> I, I have what in the world? I have to ask this. You know, be what in the world inspired you to research and write a book about the weird things animals do with their butts? Well, here let me tell you. So this, um, I have a terrible addiction to Twitter, and I spend way too much time on Twitter when I should be doing anything else more productive. But sometimes. You luck into things, right? And so it was one night, late at night, probably 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep, scrolling Twitter, and I saw a tweet that had a, a picture of a manatee, a cute, goofy little manatee, and it said, manatees can control their buoyancy through an endless cycle of farting. There, that's a fact you know now. And I was like, that cannot possibly be true. I mean, first of all, you think you, I would have heard it at some point other time in my life, but I was like, that can't be true, so I started Googling it. Not only is it true, my Google brought up all these other animals that do some really weird things with their butts. And I was like, huh, I feel like <laughs> this is an idea for a picture book here. Oh, my God. How did you narrow it down to, to just 10 animals, though? It was really tough because um, I, I actually have enough to do, fingers crossed, uh, <laughs> I battle the butts. Uh, number two. Oh, of course. <laughs> so um, I have I have at least ten more animals. I actually have about fourteen more I could put in the second book. And there's ten animals in this book. Um, and so I just tried to pick the ones. One, um, I was trying to um, hit different the different you know mammals. I didn't have any birds, but mammals, insects, fish, um, uh, reptiles. I was trying to get the different types of animals. And then you, know, if they're in the water and the land, I have five land animals and five water animals. And try not to repeat powers so much. I call the posterior powers in the book. Um, 
So there's not a lot of repeat. So they each kind of do something very different. And some are farts and some are poops and some are other random things. Well, of course. Of course. <laughs> now, by any chance, did you include the puffer fish who uses their quote-unquote butt to make sand drawings in to lure mates in the ocean? I did not have, I don't have those. So maybe I'll put that on my list for uh, number two. Oh. I do have the, the parrotfish, though, because the parrotfish do sand stuff, too. They, they actually create sand, but they eat the coral reef, and when they digest it, it comes out of sand. Um, so I do have the coral, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the sea. <laughs> the the parrotfish in there, yeah, the parrotfish in there. So, um, <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get this. But then on the flip side of that, you you put together this great anthology of films of sh horror shorts for Grave Intentions. I am Thank you. I am so in love with this anthology series, but more than that, I'm in love with your wraparound with ma magical Madam Josephine. Yes. I was enthralled, and the way oh. you broke this down with the five different shorts, and you go through the whole thing about intentions, and we've got intentions with candles for the bridge partner, and then for Willie Bingham, we got puppets and voodoo dolls, and Violent Florence. That one was tough to see. Yeah, that, one, that was rough for me to watch, too. That one was really rough. But, <laughs> you know, the whole idea of crystals... And then the son, the father, you've got the charm bags, the prayer pouches, a spell in a bag. And yeah. then the last one about Marion, about infusing energy into talismans. You cover all of these elements. But I got to tell you, watching Joy as Madame Josephine is a pure, a pure delight. She is engaging, enthralling, and fun. Yes, we love Joy. We adore her. We had actually, um, she had been one of our previous short films. We did a short film called High Heels and Hoodoo. And she played Madame Josephine in that as well. And so, like, literally, that was, because we loved her so much and her performance so much in that, that was why we decided to make her the hostess for Great Intentions, because we love Joy, and we love what she did with the character of Madame Josephine. And so we're like, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> so. Well, and adding to everything with this, with Madame Josephine and her magical, her magical shop, uh, shall we say, the production yeah. design, production design is stunning, Jocelyn. It is oh, stunning. Thank you. That is actually my brother's living room. He is my partner in crime and all this. He is, uh, we've been making shorts together and other projects. And so he's uh, the co-director and co-producer. And uh, just the whole thing was filmed in his living room. Because the living room, he usually keeps it pretty empty. He's a bachelor. So we have the empty living room. And so that's what we decided to build the workshop. And um, with help of friends and family who donated, you know, the more, the weirder things, mm -hmm. <laughs> more magical type things in their house, uh, we were able to, built this in um, part of his living room well now with your penchant for research i mean anybody's going to research animal butts did did you do research into you know the magical components of yes, it was all, yes it was it was all very grounded in research i did a lot of research um and it was important to us to um to make it i, I guess i'll do word i'll use as generic magic we didn't want to um do any one 
type of practice of magic. Right. You know, Wicca or pagan or hoodoo or voodoo. We wanted it to be, if it didn't exist in more than one magical practice, we didn't use it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we tried to cover the different, you know, for like poppets, instead of calling them voodoo dolls, we called them poppets and talked about voodoo dolls and um, uh, call them the, the other names they have for them. We tried to cover that these are practices common in all types of magic. Mm-hmm. There was never one, one type. And so I researched all these different types of magic and pulled the common elements out. They're common to all of the magical practices to then have Madam Josephine share with the viewers. I know about crystals and I know about charms and the charm bags and candles. I'm not as familiar with the poppets and the voodoo dolls, but that's what fascinated me is that there was so much accurate information. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not surprised to hear that, yes, you did research into this. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen, we, ha- we built a website around it, too. We have a med- website called MagicalMadamJosephine.com where um, it, it's like kind of her pseudo shop, so you can uh, go and learn about more of the um, magical items. And then, of course, they all hook into Amazon because we're not really selling things, but... Um, yeah, so we created a whole website for her, Magical Workshop. Well, I think Madam Josephine needs needs her own merchandise. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> because those boxes, as she is talking about, you know, the, the intention of candles and you rub some oil before you give it to someone, before you light it and puts it in the, the beautiful little box with the cover on top and the gold lettering. I mean, it's a beautiful presentation for each of these items thank you that was a friend of mine because i have terrible handwriting instead of my brother so uh we asked an artist friend of mine to um uh, her, her name's kathleen fox and we asked her to uh um, do the lettering for us i would love to see an entire madam josephine show because <laughs> joy is so good and you yes. really listen and i love uh, the scripting that you did the dialogue that you gave joy really stressing intentions Mm. and her vocal inflection and cadence whenever she says intentions Mm -hmm. it really hits home yeah she does a lot of voiceover work like that's one of the things like i mean she's an actress as well she does she does a ton of theater and uh she's done she's been in some of the productions that film in south carolina that's where we're all from is from south carolina and um but she does a ton of voiceover work like she did the um the uh, the president ride down at Disney World. Uh-huh. She had done. She was the uh, narrator for the president ride at Disney World. I think it's uh, yeah. I think it got redone. You know, with the um, I think she had done the one before Trump came in. But um, she you know she was the voiceover for the president ride in Disney World. Wow, amazing voice. She does a lot of commercials and um, uh, narrating other kind of um, anything where you use gravitas. She has that mm-hmm. gravitas, and so it's, she's she's um. She does a lot of that kind of work. It's great. Then her her makeup is spectacular, right down <laughs> to the nail polish and the lipstick. And I want that purple blouse. I want I know, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's I, I want it. It's gorgeous. It Go- is gorgeous. And the, um, the makeup actually was done by her name's Misha Davis, and she was actually a high school friend of my brother's. Oh my god. And um, I know it, it, this this whole production was. In the family, right? And so she was a high school friend of my brother's, and she does um, her main, she's a makeup artist that does, and her main thing is wedding makeup. And, you know, because Brian's stayed Facebook friends with her, and so, and she does these amazing makeovers. You see these makeovers, and you're like, 
uh, how is that even the same person? You know, it's just amazing. And so when we started talking about it, you know, we wanted um, someone who, who could do work really well with black skin. And so uh, Nisha was the first person we thought of, and she was happy to come on board because she'd never done a movie before. So this was her first movie. So it was a, a fun experience for her. And, yeah, we thought she did an amazing job. Cause, I mean, Joy is gorgeous anyway. You have yeah. without the woman is like, beautiful. But um, Nisha made, gave her that perfect, you know, creepy but not scary like yeah like this is the one you're gonna listen to right you're gonna pay attention to this woman <laughs> and this is a great calling card for misha for her makeup yeah a great calling card to use where did you even get the idea for this particular anthology and how did you go about putting together these five shorts <laughs> Um, well, it, this was actually my brother's idea. So of Brian, course. Well, Brian, Brian Rich is my brother. Um, and he, um, he we, the South Carolina Arts Council, um, several years ago, um, sorry, sorry, I said count, uh, South Carolina Arts Commission, the South Carolina Arts Commission, um, and they get support from the National Endowment for the Arts, and they do grants every year. They fund um, projects for artists who are trying to make um, their art a career. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, yeah, we, we, we ourselves had done several shorts. We love short, you know, scary shorts, love short films. And so he had the idea, he's like, maybe we can get a grant to put an anthology together. Because, you, you know, this is a small grant, so we, there was no way we could film our you know, full feature. And so he's like, but if we can get short films, we can film a wraparound. Sure. And so that's what we knew we were going to do. We did not know then about Madame Josephine or whatever. So um, but we did come up with the name Grave Intentions because... We thought it sounded cool. <laughs> it does. Um, it does. And so, <laughs> and so then we um, we put we did a contest. We put a contest out on Film Freeway, a call for films, and um, had people send us films. And we watched tons and tons and tons of short films. Um, and so we narrowed it down to these five that we thought were great. And then, and also because we'd already called it great intentions, we thought it all, all of them embodied the intention behind what you're doing that maybe mm -hmm. you think you're doing the right thing but not leading to quite the right place um and so um and so then it was in what are we going to do with the wraparound and so we we talked about a ton of different things uh one thing we, the first thing we talked about is um we were going to have the filmmaker send us an item from each movie that she would then um talk about or you know an actual item from the movie but then three of our filmmakers two are in australia and one's in the philippines and we're like shipping costs and yeah that's a lot unwieldy <laughs> it's gonna be a bit much so we really don't want to do that um so then we came up with this idea that's kind of more symbolic you know magical thing so of course they don't show up in the movies because the movies were made way before the, the wraparound was made but they're symbolic of what the the people in the film are going through and um, so, um, so that's when we came up with that idea to to tie them all together that way. And um, and and we know pretty much from the start, we know as soon as we knew we were going to have a host, that we we're going to do it kind of like you know old school um, tales from the crypt that we yep. were going to have a host. Um, we knew it was going to be Joy, aka Madame Josephine. Um, so it was just a matter of what we were going to have her present. And so um, when we kind of came up with these magical uh, the different types of practice, magical practices, you know, candles, crystals, poppets, uh, you know, mojo bags. We're like, okay, this is what we want to do. And then it was matching, you know, each one. You know, I mean, the most obvious one was voodoo doll for Willie Bingham because that was you know, clearly, you know, what <laughs> someone would do to it. The voodoo doll if they were torturing someone. 
Um, so we were a little more, you know, we had to work a little more to make a match. But um, um, yeah, so it was just kind of, it was like it kind of progressed, you know, it was all kind of, you know, the idea for the wraparound did not come first. That came after mm -hmm. we had the films that, um, you know, brainstormed a bunch of other things. At one time we thought about making it look like a really cheesy um, access cable show. Uh -huh. and like, that she was like, buy now for $9.99, you know, just kind of. <laughs> Super, super cheesy. We're like, no, nah, that's not the right vibe of the film. You know, because they're all very serious, you know, dark films. And that would just so um, we decided just it's still the vibe that she's, you know, teaching people, but it's a little more serious. So mm -hmm. she's seriously teaching people rather than being kitschy about it. So. Yeah. And I really love that aspect. I love you went this route. And I have to say that really the lightest tone of these shorts comes with the bridge partner. So I think that the way you structured this, having that as the first one that we see, I think that was really smart because it gets you, you know, it's like, okay, this is kind of cool. And of course, yeah. you now have the distinction of having Robert Forster in his final role on film. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the things that's interesting because the short was filmed several years ago, but yeah. I think technically he'd done some other since then but this is the final one where he's all you know this all wrapped is, together yeah so, this is the um, final one on screen yeah that's being yeah, released yeah. so that's yeah. qu that's quite a distinction to have that under and your head yeah and then Sharon and Beth as well you know I, I've been you know Sharon Lawrence Beth Grant did film Ed and Robert Force all fans of all three of those for forever so it was so cool that one of the short came in with them i was like oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's that's like a no-brainer it's like this has to go in we'll build everything yeah. around this one yeah but i like how you start with that it's a much lighter brighter tone i i love what gabriel olson did as a director of that short mm -hmm. but then you re you go darker and mm -hmm. darker <laughs> you take us down that rabbit hole and then you you bring it up a little bit with the son, the father. So, you know, we come out of the the terror and horror of violent Florence. And you lighten it up just a little bit mm -hmm. so we can breathe a little. And then you take us right back into mm -hmm. the depths of hell. How hard was it once you picked out your five? How hard mm -hmm. was it to structure and come up with this ebb and flow? Well, I think, you, I mean, you just described it perfectly you know what kind of what we were going for and then kind of the other thing is too you know with the bridge partner again you had the recognizable faces and bridge partner right so it's like okay well, let's put the recognizable faces up front so that you know people like you know <laughs> to lure people in i guess you'd say right um and then marion uh is is a it's funny because violent florence is a rough ride because of the animal violence but marion's a very rough ride because of the child abuse right and we knew that could potentially be off putting for folks so um we didn't want it that to be near the beginning and then the fact that it's also you know it's not in english you know there are a lot of people not willing to read subtitles so um we thought yeah another one to read it towards the end but it was such a strong anchor as well i mean it's just one of those like you know it's and it's the most traditionally horror of all yes of them. um and so kind of anchoring the whole movie with this one that's like it's just a kind of kick in the emotional gut and um one that's really you know gonna sit with you you know <laughs> when you're when you're done so end with the one that's really gonna um the emotional impact and the most traditionally horror one 
Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's that one actually has almost shades of the Babadook. But yeah. I, but then you leave it to Madame Josephine to bring us back on a dark but high note about darkness mm-hmm. and grave yeah. intentions. I I just am so in love with this entire thing, Jocelyn. I really, I I watched it the other night, put it on, sitting in the house, in the dark, at about 1 o'clock in the morning, because uh, that is the only time to watch films like this. Of course. Of course, and I was enthralled. As soon as Joy came on screen as Madame Josephine, I was enthralled by, visually with that production design, with the color, with the, the purple power color. And it's also my favorite color, so of yeah. course I'm going to want to watch. But then it, you just, it just sucks you in. It, su- you. it sucks you in, and you start on this ride, and to see the full wraparound segmented with Madame Josephine in between each, each short just... It's so incredibly well done, Jocelyn. So well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so it, we worked really hard on it. <laughs> that means a lot. Do you have any any thoughts of maybe doing a, a second one? Uh, yes, a Grave Intentions too. I mean, we'd love to. You know, that was, was we've kind of always said. You know, we're we're kind of holding off to see how it does. You know, because if people enjoy it, we'd love to do a second one. Um, uh, you know. Um, there's always short filmmakers out there making amazing horror. Yeah. And it's so hard for, there's no place for, I mean, I mean, the internet's out there, right? People, people who want to find short horror can find short horror. But when you wrap it into a feature-length film, you can get it in places you can't get the short film. Right. And so we'd love to facilitate getting more talented um, short horror filmmakers out there. And, you know, we had a blast putting the wraparound together. We love working with Joy, so of course we'd work with her in two seconds again. Um, so yeah, and um, we talked. We've even talked about like we were talking about um, throwing around ideas that maybe the second one we focus on just ghost stories and call it Grave Intentions, Spirits Unleashed. Or yeah, oh like yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we'd love to. It just you know we're just going to see how how this all plays out and if it's um, you know gets enough interest that it's, it's worth doing a second one. Oh well, I'm all in. I want to see a second one. <laughs> Even if it's ghost stories, or you could take it the other direction with horror comedy. Yes, yeah, yeah. We had one film we loved so much. It was uh, they had come in with the uh, yeah the submission, uh-huh. and it was it was funny because it was another cat film. And so we're like, so first of all, do we want to see cat films? Which would be kind of funny because our production company is called Death Cat Productions. But, um, <laughs> but we're like, but as much as we enjoyed it, it was so funny you know it was it was hard as well but it was funny and none of the other films had you know and maybe it would have been good because it'll like you know been up it, it just felt very different and so um we ended up you know uh because it really came down to the two cat movies because you know like there can be only one and so um we decided that violent florence fit the the tone of everything else better than the other ones but it yeah. was uh, yeah, you know, we, we, I mean, there were so many films, and we could have, I mean, that's what I'm saying, even with the ones we got in from this first round, there were, you know, you could put several anthologies together, because there's so much talent out there, um, so yeah, we'd love to do another one. When you were looking at, at shorts, I'm curious, did you have parameters that, did you and Brian have parameters you set out for yourselves? 
as to what you wanted these shorts to contain or what tone you wanted them to have? Did that help you narrow down your selections at all? Well, I think we were actually more for, like, quality, I think, than a specific, I mean, a, a little bit, you know, with the grave intention story, like, that helped us guide us a little bit as we, you know, were narrowing it down because right. we wanted to be able to fit it into the grave intention, you know, theme. So that helped narrow it down a little bit. But for us, the biggest thing we looked as we watched was quality. Like, were, was the acting good? Were the production values strong? Were, you know, was it a strong script that you could follow or are there the giant plot holes that you're like, what? <laughs> so, um... So we were definitely trying to find about quality, and then once we got that full narrowed down, then it was more about um, what what kind of fit into the parameters of the grave intentions thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you made excellent choices here, uh, and I love the fact that you have them from uh, you know all over the world: the Philippines, Australia. Yes, 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 yeah. And, and that was kind of that was very important in our decision making too. You know. Uh, um, you know, being diverse. I, I am, as a female filmmaker, I was really hoping to get um, a short directed by um, a female filmmaker, but we just didn't have that many come in. There were very few that came in from female filmmakers, and um, unfortunately, they just didn't quite fit what we were looking for. So I was a little bit disappointed by that. As a female filmmaker, I really wanted a short um, directed by a female, mm -hmm. but I'm like, well, I'm co-directing, so I'm, I guess I'm representing just a little bit. You're <laughs> so, representing, um, yes. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, but yeah, we, you know, especially when, um, you know, Marion came in, it was so great that we had, um, you know, you don't see many films coming in out of the Philippines, at least I don't, you know, because I watch a lot of foreign films on Netflix, but it's usually, um, you know, the Korean films, the Japanese films, uh, and um, so it was excellent to see, you know, uh, um, you know, super scary, creepy, yes. uh, short from, you know, from the Philippines and in the, the native language and, um, with these amazing actress, the little girl, Johanna. Oh, oh she's so fantastic. <laughs> Her face is so expressive. Yes. I mean, it just, you can't look away from her as you're watching that. Uh, yes. I, I just think Brian did an amazing job with that. Yes. With that film. Uh, and the visual effects in it are outstanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That monster's creepy. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why I said it reminds me of the Babadook. Yeah. Um, out of Australia. And Australia, you got to have an Australian horror film in there because Australia yeah. does horror so well. Yeah. And the Willie Bingham uh, short, that is just, okay, That it's sick, but it's yeah. really cool, <laughs> that calm narration that goes through it. Mm-hmm, yes. You know, uh, and that actor, I believe, is um, Aboriginal. I believe um, um, Gregory Fryer. I believe um, he's a Native Australian. So, um, yeah, he uh, he was so just. Yeah, he's like uh, yeah, he had a voice too. That voice you could sit there like, just read the phone book to me. I do not care. I will listen to you talk to me because <laughs> it's an amazing voice. Yeah, let's do a film with him and with Joy, <laughs> and just have them both going back and forth reading phone books. That that'll be yes, fine. Exactly. That'll be fine. Oh, my God. Oh, this has been so much fun, Jocelyn. I can't thank you enough. I want a sequel. I want, I can't wait for Battle of the Butts, and I hope I get to talk to you again. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, a joy. And I can't wait for the next time. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Jocelyn. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
And that was Jocelyn Risch talking about Grave Intentions, available everywhere digitally, perfect Halloween night fair. And also the upcoming, on November 2nd, her Battle of the Butts book. Who doesn't want that? All right, now, I'm very, very excited to switch gears here and welcome the wonderful and very funny uh, Marshall Cook. <laughs> Marshall Cook to talk about. I'm gonna about... laugh at you. I didn't do anything. Hey, that's it. Uh, all I'm doing is thinking about your film, Film Fest, and it makes me laugh. <laughs> it is one of the. That's great. It's one of the most spot-on films I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> about an. So you've industry. been to a few festivals. Uh, well, I've I've been a film critic for going into my 36th year. Yeah, and I've done a lot of festivals and seen the industry change and seen filmmakers change in large part with their expectations because of the festival circuit. Um, yep. And yep, I hear that knowing. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I watched so much weight with that. Yep. I know. I watched this back in July. And I know Annie had booked you to do the show, but then you started shooting something else. And she's like, well, can we reschedule them? Can we reschedule them? I said, of course we can. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think this is one of those movies that um, is going to be new and old or, as they say, timeless uh, or an evergreen. Or people yeah. will discover it, you know, now or five years from now. It'll still, you know, have the same impact. Well, and the beauty is for people to discover it now, it's available on Amazon Prime. It's available on Vudu. It's available on Tubi. So now they uh, yeah, can, we, we're they, pretty much giving you no excuses. It's like free on many platforms. Yeah. So you know now it's actually it is a blessing in disguise that you were shooting and you couldn't do the show in July. So now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. I mean, it, it is hard to convince people to uh, spend. You know. A, a month subscription of uh, Disney Plus on a single movie with you know a lot of actors they may not know. Yeah, no, you're um, you're so absolutely... it being free now uh, is is great. We'd we'd love free. people to find it. Just remember, America, the land of free gift with purchase. Um, <laughs> L Woods, the sayings and wisdom of L Woods. Um, it applies to films too when you can see them free. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the expectation now. And this one, this is just, this is the kind of film, Marshall, that you have, I'm, I'm wondering, while you were conceiving this and putting this together, did it ever occur to you I might be cutting off my nose despite my face? <laughs> With- oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I really, <laughs> I think my wheelhouse is just... Uh, uh, self, you know, it's, it's self-deprecation, self-reflection. Uh, we're definitely making fun of ourselves and our, uh, um, and kind of hitting everybody from all sides. So I, I don't think it's, you know, targeting anyone specifically. I think it's just how silly this whole thing is. Oh, you're not targeting Um, any, any one person or any one, uh, group, you you you're hitting everybody. You were an equal opportunity offending comedian with this. Um, <laughs> you're you you got you're covering the film critics. 
and the the wannabe critics who think they're critics but they're not really critics uh, you are covering the quote-unquote entertainment journalist uh which the step and repeat sequence it just had me roaring and rolling my eyes at the same time uh, <laughs> because i have been on carpets with press like that um and you just want to pick up something and, and smash them in the head with it um but <laughs> yeah it's a lot i mean every every aspect of it is a lot and uh so you know i think from going to a lot of festivals over the past um know 17 years mm -hmm. i think uh, i've been doing this um i, I wasn't going to make all that pain you know all for not i was gonna you know no. uh, <laughs> put it towards something positive that's it but um, you've got you cover you've got the the programmer you 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 know br you bring in that character you bring in the festival director who is brilliantly played by will sasso and i don't know how you got anything on you know any footage in the can with Will around because he's just hilarious. He thinks on his feet. Well, we just, and we just, we just had to, because uh, every day that he was on, we had to do about nine pages. Oh. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, I mean, we had to maximize every minute of every day and, um, and we give him a lot. We give him a lot, you know, to a lot of um, monologues. Yes. And, uh, Hype to lay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one of my favorite days was his first day. We did the, uh, his first day was the award show, um, which, you know, oh. was partially based off of like a four hour award show I went to. Yeah. Um, the award yeah. show. So, and we tried to really make it feel like I that. have, I have never made it through an award, a festival yeah. award show. I, I, I admit it. Everybody knows it. Festival directors know it. Press, you know, filmmakers know it. Nope. You know, just send me the press blast with, blast with who won. Because years ago, right. I would go, and it's like, all right, I realize this is your 15 minutes of fame, and you may never get another chance, but... And it's awards right. for... Actually, I think the only awards ceremony I ever actually made it all the way through was for Los Angeles Film Festival... Film Independent, um, and it was the very first year that they ever gave out a special acting award, uh, and it went to Jennifer Lawrence for her work in Lori Petty's The Poker House. And I had championed, okay. I championed that film so hard, and it was Jennifer's uh, first film, I believe, and Chloe Grace Moretz was in it. Um, but that one I actually did, but they had a time limit on the ceremony. So, <laughs> but still, I think it came in around two hours. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all, it, it was hard to pick, you know, which kind of festival and which things to to focus on because they, they're, they're all any kind of different uh, high-rolling cringe, you know, um, like there was one that you know we we ended up landing on, which was like this four hour one and um uh but there was another one I was at in like Pennsylvania where it was in like it seemed like the basement of a school, and it wasn't so much that it was long that it was just like, what are we doing here? yeah, and we were just watching the festival director kind of give themselves awards and and he was really making a campaign for me to come as if I was gonna get you know 
something for my film and I got nothing. I just got to watch him win at the Zen Festival. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, but you have, this encompasses, Film Fest encompasses every aspect and God love you. You give so much love to the lowly PA and <laughs> Kyle the PA is my favorite character in the film. I, and- I love hearing everybody's favorite characters because it's, it's i mean I've, I've, everybody has a different favorite character so why, why is kyle yours you know the pa is so overlooked when i first started in production over 40 years ago when i made the transition from news into uh, into production of film and television i started as a pa and mm. You know, you watch, you learn. It's one. It's great to be a PA on the set of a Marty Scorsese, Jerry Lewis, Robert De Niro film, or oh wow, yeah, or a Stallone film. You watch and you learn. You stay out of the way. You watch, you learn, and when somebody says gopher, you gopher. Yep. Um, and that's exactly what we see with Kyle here. But everybody overlooks the PAs. Um, on a set, they don't re- they don't understand how much work they really do, especially if it's an indie film, it's low budget, no budget, and the PA is wearing about twelve hats. Yeah, it's it's really uh, mentally and physically uh, just grueling work. Um, but I highly recommend it if if you want to you know learn how a set works. Yep. I, I would take that over a film school that you're you know paying for. It is the best. It is the best environment to be in. The best learning process you can have, as long as you're there yeah. to learn and not there to stargaze. That's the, yeah, you know yeah, that's the other thing. But Kyle, well, yeah, Kyle was brilliantly uh, played by uh, C.J. Vanna, and um, he is just such a easy punching bag uh, in life. I just figured you would nail that part oh my god he he is i love him but at the at the hour 33 mark where he gets this great monologue this great speech that he gets to give mm-hmm. to our filmmaker to logan played by matt cook um yes absolutely and i i was applauding him when he gave that speech um that's great yeah i mean we 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 spent a lot of time on the script and we really wanted to service every character and give them their own arc. Yeah. Um, so we really like to have that payoff for him, uh, after, you know, eating it the whole movie. You know, how challenging uh, was putting this script together? Because you have so many characters, everybody does get their own arc individually. And then collectively you have some pairing, some arc pairings happening here. I have to imagine this was a challenge to put this on paper to begin with. Yeah, I mean, well, also there's just so many ways you can go because yep. there's just so many different kinds of film festival experiences, and we really are owning the space by calling our movie Film Fest. Uh, so it's a lot of responsibility. Um, I mean, I could easily just be hated for making the movie by, you know, like <laughs> filmmakers could just be like, oh, this guy, you know. Before even seeing it, but uh, if you give it a chance, I think that uh, you know we we serve the world pretty well. And, and my uh, writing partner uh, Paul Allen Cope, 
he also, you know, is an independent filmmaker and writer and he's been to his share of festivals. So we both just, you know, took it really seriously. This wasn't one of those kind of like slap together improvised movies. I mean, we got into draft double white, you know, which is just so many drafts of a script. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we just, we just really wanted to, to serve every character. And then, and then with casting, you know, we, we cast a lot of actors um, from the groundlings and then, um, you know, some of the main characters were on a TV show together. So they already had a built in chemistry mm. and there was some kind of intangibles there that you could pick up just with their relationship um, that kind of give it a, an extra little seasoning on top of what was written. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the combination of just, you know, what we, what we gave the actors, what they brought, and then, you know, what we kept in the edit, uh, you know, gives us this nice little package that you can enjoy for free. Yeah. And yeah. And when it comes to these actors and, you know, their performances, you know, I have to ask, since you went through, made it to a double white, you know, draft of the script, I have to wonder how strictly did you stick to the script or with the comedic talent that you have in the cast, did you, you know, give them the opportunity to improv anything or did you try and just stay as true to the script as possible? A combination of both. Um, So, you know, we we had a lot to do every day. Um, So we did want to make sure we served the story and, and got what we knew we needed to get. Um, so in general, you know, I would approach something like, Hey, let's shoot the script. Okay. Now what else do you want to bring? Can you beat what I have? And, and I, I'm always open to whatever an actor wants to bring. If they come early on before we even shoot with a better idea, great. I'm open, you know, I'm certainly open to it, but generally it's like, Hey, one, you know, one or two for me, one for you kind of, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, in casting, you know, uh, Part of part of the job of directing is casting and, mm-hmm. and just knowing that I I can trust any of these actors um, and and um, and then you know it's just it's a collaboration so but I would say for the most part this is you know to the script and then and then you know some great ads uh, from you know Matt Cook Will Sasso and, and um, all these characters um, so yeah I mean it it it, it, it certainly feels natural and, and real and, and not like written you know yeah very much so and you know if i see sarah rue pop up in there and i'm like oh my god uh because she is so good she is so deft with deadpan that comes across as comedic and yeah she has a a crushing reaction in this uh i mean her her uh, i love her scene (laughs) and it's just so painful and hilarious at the same time uh and just yeah, it's like an eternity. You know, she wrinkles her mouth and she screws her mouth. It's like, mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, and she does it with her eyes wide open, but wrinkles and scrunches and, you know, twists her mouth. And you just know something painful is coming out. It's not at all yeah. what poor Logan wants to hear and thinks he's getting. He thinks he's getting this great job at Disney. Uh, <laughs> directing. Yeah. Well, he I feel is. Like this, but this reaction you're talking about is kind of like a representation of your general experience in this business, where it's like, hey, oh, this is really great. Oh no, okay. Yeah, I it just, you know, this is. I love the fact that you shot this in Idlewild. For the most part, um, you get beautiful cinematography. 
Edwin uh, Edwin Stevens does a lovely job with the cinematography. It's clean. It's unfettered. There's nothing fancy. You let the performances and the story itself shine without any kind of trickery or visual embellishment. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I just love that. And the quaintness that we get of the whole Idlewild experience is re- it translates so well. And it really sets the tone and lets people know what, you know, what Sundance was decades ago. What some of these small festivals are. They are small, intimate communities. And I love yeah. that vibe. And you get that yeah, through and, those visuals. So Edwin was actually our executive producer as well. So he uh, you know, financed the film and shot it. And he shot it on a Canon C300, uh, which, you know, isn't like the highest end camera you can get. But what, you know, what he, he can do a lot with a little. And, mm. uh, and yeah, I just I really liked having that intimate approach and not distracting, you know, from, you know, the reality with over, overly stylizing uh, our shots. You know, it's kind of like just get out of the way of the actors. Um, and one of the movies that I, you know, I, I used kind of as uh, that I wanted some of our actors and, and team to watch was uh, Sideways. Uh, yes. From, you know, 2008, was it? Or, um, you know, Alexander Payne with Jumani, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. And uh, mm-hmm. we had kind of a similar vibe with that where it's like, you know, Logan is a, kind of similar to Miles. He's, he, you know, on paper, he does some things that aren't really very cool, but you're still somewhat rooting for him and, and uh, them going to wine country and this being Idlewild. And, and uh, yeah, there's, there's, I can draw some similarities sideways myself because mm-hmm. um, that was the intention. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what you also do is you're very judicious with your close-ups uh, and ECUs. I think you only have, you know, maybe one or two pop in here, mm-hmm. but everything pretty much stays in a mid shot, mid two shot. But the one dynamic that really comes across where the camera does come in probably the closest uh, from any point in the film is where we see cinematographer Tomas, with a Swedish accent, or Tom, played by the wonderful Laird McIntosh, and this young, you know, 13, 14-year-old filmmaker... Uh, named Max, who shot his film on an iPhone, um, beautifully mm-hmm. played by J- Jason uh, Janeo. I got to tell you, that relationship and watching the meeting of the minds with the two of them kind of in a face-off about right. uh, why, the, why the iPhone. And, and we've got the older guy with the old school, and then we get the, the new kid on the block, and they're just going back and forth. And using phrases and expressions, and neither one understands from the other generation. Uh, and you have Max sitting there giving a speech about, "I worry about, I worry about what's coming next." And Tom Tomas is, is there. He's like, "What do you mean? You know, kids younger than you?" He goes, "Yeah." And it's like the camera captures this great look uh, on Laird's face as Tom. And mm-hmm. but it's such a great it really establishes their dynamic of the generations coming together. Um, yeah. The, and, and neither of them are wrong. Right. Uh, they're both 
right and wrong and, and could certainly learn from each other. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a constant dialogue in my head, about, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, my place in this, you know, uh, industry in, in general, like, you know, being somewhat of a, a film school, you know, traditionalist, and then, you know, trying to embrace social media and, uh, you know, content creating and, and, you know, kind of wearing both hats sometimes. Yeah. And it's a struggle. It really is. And to, but to see this dynamic play out and their chemistry together is great. They, it, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're fantastic. I mean, Jason Janelle on, uh, he's on that, uh, Netflix show on my block, which is hugely globally popular. And Larry McIntosh is, uh, He's a main company groundling, and he's been doing it forever. So, but they're they are as people so different. I mean, mm-hmm. they they never met, and they just showed up, and there was already just this kind of gap of <laughs> uh, <laughs> in communication. So it was really fun to watch it play out, and they and they really got along over you know as their as they did more scenes together. So it was, it was a really fun dynamic. Yeah, and their stare downs of each other. You know, they each they set the jaw. And it's and they're they're digging their heels in, and you see it on their faces. And slowly, you know, as Tom Laird lowers himself down, but he can never get quite down to eye level with Max. <laughs> uh, he's always a little bit above, and and so Max is kind of leaning back a little, so his head's kind of tilting up a little bit. And but watching the two of them is so fun. But it really does. It speaks volumes for where we are in the industry right now in, mm-hmm. in terms of past and present and where yeah, we're going it, in the future. A little bit Wild West. I mean, um, and I, I, sorry to make it about me, but uh, this, let's you know, make it about you. Uh, this is you. <laughs> no, but I, again, just both of those characters did kind of come from a dialogue, you know, of, of how I feel about certain things and, and as, as, as Paul as well. Uh, but I even experienced it over quarantine. You know, I, I probably made like 20 shorts for, you know, Instagram just cause I was alone and needed to make something. And, um, and I always felt like really great making them by myself and putting them out there. But I also felt like a little dirty at the same time. Uh, cause I'm like, Oh, I'm just making content for Instagram. I'm a filmmaker. You know, what is this? So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a, and this is all after I've made this movie, um, so it's a it's a continual kind of uh, exploration. Yeah, you know, something that you do so well here, and I have to applaud your editor, John David Buxton. You keep this film moving. Uh, it's only mm-hmm. what ninety eight minutes long or something. It doesn't even it's like ninety six. Yeah. It doesn't even feel that long. It moves mm-hmm. at a clip. Um, you know, almost like when you're really enthused, not like Matt's character of Logan, not like filmmaker Logan, who is jaded, he's cynical, he's miserable at the get-go. This isn't what he wanted. Mm-hmm. It's not Sundance, you know. Um, right. But, you know, it's for those that go into the festival experience, enthusiastic and upbeat and they want to meet other filmmakers and they want to talk and they want to schmooze and they want to commiserate. Um, you really get that sense and how fast it goes by that it is like a whirlwind and the editing is so crisp that you get that sense. Yeah, I, 
I think with a movie like this, you know, you, I, I, I hate to, I hate to put blanket rules over anything, but you know, I just didn't want to be over a hundred minutes and you can really feel the, the early cuts. It was like, I think 110 minutes, just kind of the assembly cut. And then, yeah, we just kept chipping away at it and you just have to really not be precious. And, and, you know, at that point you owe the movie, you don't owe anybody who is in it or any of your own ego. And it's just about, you know, getting it to this, to this spot where, yeah, you, you don't, you, you don't feel like I want this to be, you know, how long is this going to go? You're not checking your phone or your watch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my earlier days, I was, uh, an editor, like a freelance editor. So I've kind of have that foundation of just keeping it moving. How does your earlier work, um, as an editor, it's the kind of thing that editing eye stays with you in your, in your mind's eye. How beneficial is that to you when you are actually shooting? Are you looking at things thinking editorially on the day oh, of? Always, yeah. Um, and I think that's what helps you get a lot in a day is that you know what you need. Um, the the downside of that is that you could be a little too confident in, in thinking you know. And I don't care who you are, you never fully know until you're in the edit. Mm-hmm. So it's always better to you know, overcover. Um, but I've seen, I've seen, I, I was just, uh, visiting the edit of a very seasoned director, um, high up there. And, um, you know, I visited the edit to, you know, just give my notes, yeah. uh, take them to leave them. And they cut probably a half hour out of their movie. And it's just like, you know, cause they, they just didn't know that they didn't need that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's definitely helpful, but you know, you don't want to put yourself in a corner and just, you know, decide that, no, 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 we'll always only ever need this because, yeah, things change. They, they call the, the the final rewrite, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've gone in on films where they just, they wanted my notes on it, and I'm, I look and I, I spent Christmas Eve one year with a film, with a director, um, going over shot by shot of the film, and I'm like, no, you really need to, to break this out here, and you've got, you need to put something else in here. Oh well, I don't have any more footage. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, no, no more footage. Um, but no, this moves so well, and the montages that you've put together really, really hammer home, hammer at home this whole the insanity of filmmaking and, oh, and yeah, film like festivals. Diana Reasonover, uh, or the character Alex, uh, was meeting all the film buyers. Yeah, I just, that's yeah. hilarious. And you've got, you know, the screenings and people going in and out. And, of course, you've got the step and repeat. And then the never-ending awards ceremony. But Ale- the scene with Alex, producer Alex, you know, never-ending. And you finally have somebody that makes you an offer, and it's, but not for any money. And- <laughs> right. <laughs> been there done that um th- yeah yeah it's 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 crazy how it's like hey somebody wants to distribute their, your movie but they're not going to pay you it's just like well what does it, do people understand how much work goes into these movies um yeah, yeah it's it's wild uh, you know i do think that uh on on and this isn't uh, uh a real funny pitch but even on an educational level if you're even curious about the festival experience i think we do serve that pretty well yes. we cover kind of the uh you know the a to z 
You um, really do. You know, yeah. you really do. And I, I and I have to admit, I love the whole ticket thing where, <laughs> yeah. you know, you go to the filmmaker party, uh, opening night party or something, and you're handed tickets. Tickets, okay, here's your drink tickets. Okay, here's your ticket to get in. Okay, here's another ticket. And you're just looking at them. It's like, wait a minute, I'm a filmmaker here. Why am I paying for this? You know, why, number one, why do, am I restricted and have tickets? Um, but it, the, yeah, it's just small. Tickets, it's, just a, it's just a funny, like, it's like, it's like a carnival thing as a kid. It's just like, what are we doing? And by the way, fun fact, uh, the ticket lady was my mom. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But see, when you're doing, <laughs> in, when you're doing indie films, this is why you have family and you don't kick them to the curb because you never know when you're going <laughs> yeah, to you, need to employ them you might need for free. Background and supporting That's just it. These are rules every indie filmmaker <laughs> need to know. Yep. Don't throw the family, to, don't kick them to the curb until you're sure you're not going to need them anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for that reason alone, you might need to free fill labor. the frame a little bit. Free labor. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, and the other big element of this film is the score. You, you, mm. it's fun. And then we get to the end, who we get to, you know, Will's character of Montgomery Nash, festival director, podcast host, uh, and self-loving, award-giving festival guy, um, who his self-aggrandizing is just amazing. But he has his own song. Oh, yeah, that song is... It, 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 I mean, it'll give you an earmite. Like, I, I've had it, <laughs> I had it stuck in my head for, I, I want to say, a week. It drove me nuts, but it's so funny. Oh, my God. But even your end credits song is great. I love the, yeah, I yeah, love the music in this film, and... Your quote-unquote needle drops because it captures the fun vibe that you should be having while having lyrics that really are kind of snarky when you think about them. Uh, but they're great. They're great. Yeah. Our um, our our main composer, Dan uh, Pinella, and, and his group Matter, uh, they, you know, I, I wish I could pay everybody more. I feel like they everybody did a lot more than, you know, our, our budget allowed, but uh, the lead singer of the main credit scroll, you like this, was Kyle the PA. Oh my gosh! Um, I know he's see? a musician. He's actually really good. N- just see all the benefits a PA has. Look at that! <laughs> Look at that! Multitasking. You know, yep. in front of and behind the camera. Boy, oh boy! Oh God! I know. Not so, only not only uh, is he multi talented, but also uh, I couldn't uh, pay anybody else. <laughs> so. Okay, good. See, there again, can't kick people to the curb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now, what is next for you, Marshall? Now that everybody they have they have no excuse not to just see Film Fest and laugh themselves silly, and get a better appreciation yeah, go, go, for what goes on go in this and watch world. Film Fest. It's uh, it's free, and you've already watched everything else. So now you can watch this one for free. Um, I was supposed to shoot um, a comedy with Will Sasso that he and I wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. And Peter Fairley, uh, 
of the Fairley Brothers uh, as an executive producer. Um, but that got pushed to next spring. So in the meantime, I'm, uh, you know, building uh, little squirrel houses out of plywood to ah. pass the time. Um, but uh, we are scheduled to shoot around April of next year. So will we see a how-to short on making squirrel houses? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I did post that on Instagram. <laughs> see? See? You know. I know. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. I'm very troubled. Oh, my God. I don't know how I feel about it. Well... I love your troubled brain, Marshall. I love your troubled film <laughs> filmmaking self. Um, it's it's such a fun film, and this has been so much fun having you on the show today. I hope you'll come back. Oh, thank thank you so much. I really really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, but you didn't say if you'll come back. My God. Oh my! No, that, that was a given. No. I didn't think you were asking. <laughs> Uh, not, I mean, I can't come back to talk about the squirrel houses, but certainly after the next movie. You know, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like Logan. Logan needs validation. <laughs> he needs an answer. Ah, <laughs> uh, Marshall, thank you, thank you so, so much, and we will talk again soon. All right, thank you, and uh, take care. Talk soon. Bye bye. And that was Marshall Cook, writer, director, all-around great, fun guy, talking about his film, Film Fest. It's free. Amazon Prime, Voodoo, Tubi, and, of course, Grave Intentions. See it, see it, see it. It's available digitally. Order your copy of <laughs> of Butts. <laughs> um Jocelyn Rich's uh, book, uh, Battle of the Butts. Uh, you won't go wrong with that. So, until next week, which next week we start the Yellowstone countdown. So, until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. <laughs>